Ultimate Authority, Bird Song, also known as Falafel Baggins. The first Black Mirror of the Shire. With me today is my man Frank Escamilla. Say hello. What's up, party people? Frank Escamilla here, Pablo Naruto. Let's get this started. All right, and the Nerd Master General, my, my man Jared Sams. He say what's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Today is Christmas, gentlemen. It is Christmas today, and I'm happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, it's it's um, been a strange day in the news because the thing about it was that even before this, like, I was trying to cram. Strangely enough, like going on different um, different websites to cram to find out what the news was, and it was almost too much. You know, I mean, normally, I mean, I have a habit, I have to admit, that if I'm reading political news or even nerd news, I have a habit of skimming the first paragraph, if not a little bit into the second paragraph. But there was so much news and so many things I wanted to know about, but there just wasn't enough time. There's just too much crap, too many new trailers. You know what I'm saying? So it, it was just off the charts and stuff. Yeah, dude, it was, it was it, Disney, I don't know, like, I hate saying this. I hate giving props to Disney, but my God, like, they, 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 truly, they truly made my year today. And I, I'm very happy about that, but we'll get into it. It seems like what they have is a lot of pent up material as well. You got to figure that it's been, you know, almost a year now where they have several properties that, you know, likely should have already been in, um, you know, in the in public view that have just been sitting around. So, I mean, at the same time, you probably have a lot of stuff where they probably, you know, just need, they finally just buckled and said, you know what, we're going to just announce this. And when the time comes, we're going to release it however we have to. Yeah, well, let's get into it. Let's get, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about all this stuff. Let's do it. Well, it's also the beginning of Hanukkah, gentlemen, right? <laughs> That's true. So it, it's your first gift of Hanukkah from Disney. <laughs> Thank you, Disney. I'm not Jewish, but hey, I'll take the gift. <laughs> and I, yeah, I'm super excited, man. It's, it is, it's Christmas early. I, I feel the same way that, that Jared S. feels. You know, yeah. if, it's, if it's too much, it's still not enough, so. You know, for 2020, yeah. I'll take it. So, check it. Um, you know, let's talk about some of the things that are going on in the news, man. You know, besides, you know, what's going on with Ava DuVarney and uh, DuVarney and the fact that she seems to be taking over a lot of what's going on with, um, you know, DC in the, in the television stream. It's just, it's ridiculous. It seems like she's um, starting to take over more and more of the shows. Not to mention, man, uh, if you guys get a chance, read the story about Jose Perez talking about the birds of prey movie. did you guys either of you guys see that flick I, yeah i unfortunately saw it <laughs> i heard that was better i didn't i haven't seen either suicide squad or birds of prey but i heard birds of prey was better but I, maybe i don't know i'm wrong they lied to you <laughs> you know what um stepping in poop is better than having poop smeared on your face so in that way it was better but i'll just say that you know it's it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a dope flick and stuff, man. It was slightly too contrived, but nonetheless, you know, Rosie Perez kind of got into it. On she, you know, I, I get the sense that she still liked the, the um making the movie, but the problem was that there was she felt like there was a lot of ageist jokes. It's a trip for me because I remember Rosie Perez from like Soul Train and stuff like that. And so the idea of thinking of Rosie Perez, a woman that's too old, is nuts. But the problem is, is she said that. These the jokes that were made in the movie and offset about her age were things that um, Helen, things that Helen Mirren wouldn't have had to put up with. 
you know, stuff, that kind of stuff, which is probably right, you know, nonetheless. The, the story that I really wanted to wrap to you guys about is Marvel's Indigenous Voices. I kind of, I already have a, a problem. I've been trying to only lightly read Marvel in the past, like, few years after I found out about um, Ike Perlmutter being essentially, you know, a Trump acolyte, you know, for lack of a better phrase. For those who don't know, Ike Perlmutter is the CEO of Marvel right now. Not the CEO of Marvel. He's the CEO of Marvel's economy. Oh, the printing. Yeah, but yeah. the printing side. He does not do what, what Feige does on the movie side. He has no say in that. But Perlmutter um, uh, is a bit of a prick, so to put it lightly, I guess. So I don't know. It, it has kind of um, muted my interest in Marvel, but I do like that they do Marvel voices. I like that they do the, they put out the Indigenous voices. Last month was Indigenous Voices Month, Indigenous Peoples Month, I should say, um, which largely focused on the Native, Native American community, which I think is well overdue, right, for us to have some kind of corporate recognition of the fact that this exists, some type of institutional recognition of the characters. Um, did you guys get a chance to look at that story? I have not. I just, I'm looking at it right now, and like, actually, I've, I've heard this book. Uh, I haven't picked it up yet. Uh, I've been in the comic shop a little bit, but um, but like uh, I actually, I, I, a buddy of mine, he uh, was kind of you know complaining about it because it was like I said some of those stories are pretty they have pretty harsh opinions of like border agents and and just like you know you know white Americans in general because you know you think about who's writing these stories right um, so I, I I thought it was interesting. Like I said, you talk about Ike Perlmutter kind of being who he is and, and working for who he works for. Um, and uh, and still, Marvel is able to kind of like give these people a voice, right? Like, you know, and a voice that, you know, it can, can be disagreeable to people who, you know, pay the bills and keep the lights on over at Marvel, which I guess is saying something, right? But I mean, uh, but yeah, not, not every story needs to be for everyone. And these stories are like the title says it's their voices and it's for yeah, yeah. the people that they want this this for them you know they're writing stories for them for, you know yeah. for us by us kind of thing right um so i'm eager to check it out because uh it's also like tough shit like that pisses me off was that oh poor thing you're mad because they're writing stories that are putting down white america and, and border patrols like get over yourself you're on their land you stole it your ancestors like come on and you're know, you giving <laughs> voices that you stole in the first place that shit pisses me off bro like I'm, I'm getting a little heated right now because like it's also a one fucking shot i'm cussing right but it's only it's not a series no it's like yeah. one book right so they're getting one book for their voice since yeah. one book so i piss me off bro like yeah you know oh yeah let's let's be happy <laughs> because they're, they're celebrating the indigenous culture no you're fucking not you know, you're doing the the very least you can do, you know, for for a people that have been oppressed in this land and voices that have been oppressed in this land forever, right? So like, fuck Marvel if that's what they, I mean. You know, I you know it doesn't mean I'm not going to keep reading the comic books, but fuck Marvel. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's the truth, man. That's some bullshit. You know. Um, sorry, man. Sorry, I just got triggered. Yeah, no, you know, no. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. I mean, don't I'm, be sorry. You know. That it, it's a shitty opinion to uh, to think that like you know people can't you know people can't say their mind right like that people have to like it's people are, I think some people are really all right with um, with other with with you know hiring 
people who, who aren't them in, in role in art roles and whatever, but they want you to think the same way they think. But inherent in bringing people who don't look like you and don't come from where you come from, it's their perspective that's going to be different. And if you're not cool with that, then you're really not cool with diversity. You're not cool with bringing new voices in, right? Because those people will probably disagree with you. They'll probably say something that will make you challenge your worldview. And um, you have to kind of be open-minded about it. But um, but yeah, fuck Marvel. No, I'm with Frankie. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing about it is, is that, you know, yeah, maybe Marvel shouldn't be running around giving itself high fives. Like, let's go back to when we were reading Marvel, you know, well over 10 years ago, well over 15 years ago, or even 20 years ago. And right now, Marvel still, I think, if I'm not mistaken, has only 16 indigenous characters out of what? I think three, close to 3,000 characters that Marvel has um, had crossing pages, if I'm not mistaken. I hope that number is not off, but it has 16 indigenous characters. And the truth of the matter is, man, as much as I love, uh, have, or should I say, have loved Marvel comics, I'm hard pressed to name them. I can think of Red Wolf, I can think of Mirage, White Wingfoot. Um, see, I'm already starting to slow down. I'm only three. But, but, Mar but, but yeah. Marvel's not Marvel's not a vacuum, right? Like you name name ten fictional Native American characters anywhere, right? <laughs> like you know that you know what I mean. Like like it's just it's not like Marvel's a vacuum. Like I I hope this is a thing that ten years from now we're like, yeah, why are you celebrating? You know, giving a bunch of Native Americans. Uh, you know, Native American characters to tell stories with. Like, that's some shit you should have always been doing. I hope 10 years ago from now we get to that point. But, I mean, let's not lie. We are not at that point, right? Like, no one's doing that. There's no Native Americans in TV or movies. There's no Native American. You know what I mean? Like, DC doesn't have Native Americans. Like, literally, Marvel got Native American writers and told them, tell your stories. You know what I mean? Like, that is something to be applauded. Like, I think that is something that we can't take for granted. It sucks to live in a world that that is a thing that's special. But we do live in that world. And I think that is a corporation felt pressured from all the movement happening this year. And so they invite indigenous voices to write for one comic. And we're going to go bravo and say, hey, they're doing something that nobody else is doing. I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't agree, though. I don't agree. Like. You know, they, they felt pressured. They stepped into the trend, right? And it's not a trend. It's a movement. You know, it's a movement that's happening for, for people, for equality. You know, so I don't... I don't well, where? Where's that movement? Like, where, where, else in, it, where else do you see that happening? Where else do you see Native American artists being given, even if it is one comic book, right? Being given the opportunity to do that. Like, you're at the, it's not, it's not a, pre, it's not pressure, right? Like, like Marvel didn't have to do this. And like I said, I'm not saying this is something, I'm saying this is something that sucks to live in the world that that's the case, but it's not like there's a bunch of stuff. Where's that happening? It's not happening anywhere. It sucks that that's the case, but I mean, like someone has to open, someone has to open that door. Someone has to start that process. I mean, it's not fair. It sucks. That's the world we live in. But I mean, like, to act like Marvel's doing something bad for doing it, I think that's sort of, I don't know. It, it just feels disingenuous to me. It's not bad, it but you want... Oh, go ahead, Jared. Well, I, I'm just going to call a quick statement. I was going to say, it's definitely fallen to independent writers, right? Indie writers uh, that are um, from one of the nations to do the work themselves, right? Or independent publishers like, like Red Nation and, you know, even like that Cat Chad, Chad Lowry that I mentioned before, that are making their own comic books 
or publishing conflicts with other artists to to get that story out. It's fallen on indie writers, much in the way that in the past that it's fallen for uh, you know Latino um, uh, writers and artists and African American writers and artists as well as people in the API community, if not even in the gay community, because they haven't been well represented. And I, Jared, I get where you're coming from, but at the same time, Frankie's right, man. We we can't give these cats high fives. It's great that they're the, that that they're kind of leading the way, you know what I'm saying? But you know, the average basketball game scores a hundred points, right? If you've only scored sixteen points, I'm not cheering yet because the game hasn't been won. I mean, I, that's kind of I, I props that they're they're heading the game because their their opponent only has two points. That's fresh, but I'm just saying like they're not dope yet. They don't deserve high fives. But I get where you're coming from, Jerry. I mean, you got to start somewhere, right? I mean, like that. I understand why you can't do both. I understand why you can't high five them and say, "But the work's not done." You know what I mean? Like, like this is just the start. Like, you know, like th this can't be how it is. Like, you celebrate it, and then you, and not really, you're not celebrating Marvel. You're celebrating the people who are making the stories. That's what you're celebrating. You're celebrating that's these people's stories, and I think that's what's. I feel is interesting. It's not. It's not just lip service, right? It's not like, oh, we bought some Native Americans, but we want them to write the stories we want them to write, right? If, if they stray too far, then we're like, fuck you, right? They're making stories that are pissing white people off. <laughs> That's so why they only get right? one shot. Well, it's not like they say, hey, let's give them a mini series. You know, let's give them a, a you know one new title and let them write for a while. It's like, no, let's give them one because they might piss us off. But see, but that's not fair. Like Marvel literally made a series called Red Wolf that was amazing. Had amazing art. Had amazing. I mean, it was a great series. I really liked that series. No one bought it. No, like Marvel has this problem a lot. DC sometimes has this problem as well, where they they try to speak to us, to people who who want to see a change in 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 the art and and what and how it's represented and who is the art, who's making the art, and they do that and and they all they get is backlash from the people who are actually reading the comics and the people who they're trying to appeal to, they just they want no part of it. They will they'll watch the movies, they won't read the books, right? So, you know, it's like my my thing is where were where were you when the Red Wolf ongoing series only made issue seven because no one bought it, right? Like, like it's at some point they what 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 else can they do right like like I don't know like, like it's I don't know I I I, I, I hear what you guys <laughs> are all saying but... was it an indigenous person yeah yeah he's uh he was uh he's uh he he used to be an older Native American superhero or like like a cow like you know part of the when Marvel was cowboys and Indians kind of thing and recently Marvel kind of like brought him into the modern age was that. Are we talking about the actual character Red Wolf? Yeah, because I didn't hear about the series either. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, no one. I mean, that's the thing. Like, like, no, I mean, no one, no one really did. No one, no one really read it. I mean, like, it was great. It was awesome. Hear about it. Was but it, I but remember I mean, Red Wolf as in Marvel Comics proper. I'm not even talking about to the Cowboys and Indians. He was a part. You know, he was a, a part of a a Southwest superhero team that had comic books called like the Texas Tornadoes or something like that. I can't remember. You know, it was pretty silly. No one liked it then. You can see, I mean, it's no doubt that the series died then. I have no idea why the series died in more contemporary times. I didn't, I didn't know the story even existed. Well, I mean, it, you know, this is a it's a complicated thing because it's not, a, a lot of times it's like the people who read comics on our, the Wednesday Warriors, they're, they're white dudes. And, and, you know, they're a lot of them are comic skaters. You know what I mean? They're, they're people who have a certain view of what they want the stories to be. You know, it's, it's not even complicated. We all want to see ourselves in the art. 
You know, whether we're yeah. Native American, Black, Latino, or white, you know, straight, gay, we want to see ourselves in the art. And so the people who are reading, who are buying comics are do, white dudes. And they want to see themselves in the art and they get mad when they don't, when they, <laughs> or whatever. They don't, they don't fuck with stuff with, that's not really them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's a larger conversation. That's a larger conversation. Right. Like, I feel like people like us, we find ways to identify with, with a white guy. As a as a as a main character because that's the only stories that were being told when we were kids or whatever. But like I said, but that's maybe a larger issue um, to tackle. And co- uh, the ability to code switch between black and brown communities, especially black and brown communities that are second, third, fourth generation, you know, might have a little more trouble. But you know, Chicano communities, um, older Southern African American communities, um, East Coast Af- African American communities, because the ability to code switch allows also to identify and get some degree of poignancy or meaning through even white characters at times, right? Through even their struggles, even if we can barely relate to the circumstance because we've had to, because we've had to somehow draw some kind of comparison to like the characters, right? Yeah. You know, to, to be able to um, understand their heroism, you know, for better or for worse. And, and quickly, I, um, yeah, I just don't want to take away from the actual comic itself. It's called Marvel Voices, Indigenous Voices, um, and Marvel has also a line of Marvel Voices books coming from, you know, black creators, Latino creators. And yeah, Frankie's right. They're only one shots. But what's interesting yeah, no, about yeah. it is they're, they're, these are people who don't typically make comics. They come from poetry. They come from novels. They come from plays. They come from different areas of the art. And Marvel brings them in and helps them make a comic, you know, with their voice. And, and so that's kind of what this book is. And I haven't read it. I'm excited to read it. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, this website, Comic Speed's given a pretty good review, so, um. I'm not going to front. I still ordered it. I'm not going to front. I still ordered it and stuff, man. So, you know, you know, better something than nothing, but be careful what we accept at the same time, right? Um, anyways, real quick, before we move on to, um, Gina Carano, I wanted to ask you guys a quick. Well, I just want to um, know who, who the author was. I mean, who was the writer on it, Jared? Because all I'm finding is a bunch of white dudes. The creator is, is uh. Jeffrey Varegi, uh, Rebecca Rowanhorse, Darcy Little Badger. No, 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 no. I'm talking about Red Wolf. Oh, Red Wolf. No, I mean you're right. Red Wolf was a was a was Red Wolf was a was a Native American character written by white dudes. So I mean you're you're totally right. You're totally you're totally right. And that's kind of what I'm saying is like there is like it that's the wrong way to do it, right? Like it's Native American character and and here we have Native American characters re- being written by Native American voices, writers and artists. And like, I feel like the attitude is, well, screw Marvel. It's like, well, I mean, like, why screw Marvel? Like, this is a good first step. I'm not saying we, they won. We should all put down our arms and the, the battle is, is over. But I'm saying this is a good first step. And there's no reason not to say, good for you. Thank you for doing this. Keep on doing this and go harder into it. Do it more. Buy this book, support it, tell other people to buy it, and let Marvel know they need to keep on doing this. But the attitude is, whatever, they should have do this all along, then that that doesn't make this happen more, right? That doesn't make this a thing that's like, accept, acting like it's a thing that, that should always happen doesn't mean we don't live in a world where it's a thing that never happens. So why are we pretending like we don't we live in that world, right? Like, like it, it's, it just seems kind of... We have to it doesn't seem productive to me. I don't... I don't... It's like, you know, there's a real big trend right now with, with people who, who have, like, social media video channels where they go 
and they'll give um, a homeless person a meal, a jacket, and a hundred bucks, right. right? And they do that, you know, on their video so that they'll get a hundred or a million likes, right? And then they get the revenue from whatever endorsements or advertisement, I, advertisements they have, right? So as the act, you know, I'm not going to applaud the act because they gave this person that because they have, they're making millions off of this person, right? I'm still going to, you know, I don't, I don't know the cut in these books, right? I don't know how much these, these writers and these poets, like, of course I want to support that, right? But it does piss me off that it's a one shot. It does piss me off that I don't know how much they're actually making from it, but I know Marvel is going to make a lot more in, in, um, you know, both money and both like recognition of what they did, like high five to Marvel, you know? So it's not, yeah, cool. You did it. it Keep doing it. Do it bigger, you know? And I'm not impressed yet. Like that's all I'm saying. That's yeah. fair. No, that's fair. That is that is totally fair. That is that is that's that's a fair. That's fair. I'm I'm with you with that. You know, I was gonna say. You know what? Um, look, I mean, in terms of the writer for Red Wolf, obviously we obviously Jared, we've talked about this several times. But if we look back at Black Panther, I can't think of a Black Panther series that did well up until Christopher Priest did right. the, you know, wrote the Black Panther. And black, what he did, obviously, Chris, you know, Christopher Priest, for anyone who doesn't know, is an African American man. But he kind of leaned more into the notion that this dude is not a superhero. This dude is a king of an African nation who has a primary duty not to fight the bad guys that the Avengers point at and say, go punch that guy. But his primary duty is to protect his African country. And when he did that, it made it an African story. Which, at that point, that's when it blew up. We are here talking about Chadwick Boseman or talking about um, Nakia and Mbaku and Ta-Nehisi Coates and the MCU and it being one of the, I think, the third or fourth largest money-making movie, money movie of all time. In many ways, it kind of goes back to Christopher Priest doing the right thing. And in many ways, Marvel doing the right thing, hiring this dude. Christopher Priest, in, in many ways, people knew who he was as a, um, as a personality. He was, you know... A little bit honoring. People knew that. Jared, we can say anything. No, 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 just you know, I I won't get too far afield because I know me and Jared can talk about Black Panther, Crystal Freeze Black Panther for an hour, and, and that's not what this is about. But I will say, Crystal Peace was the first uh, black writer to write the Black Panther in an ongoing series. You know, and 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 you know, he didn't start that until the '90s, and Black Panther was created in the '60s. So I mean, like. I'm not saying change doesn't happen. I'm just saying sometimes it, sometimes it's not the change we want. You know what I mean? Like sometimes, look at we want that ha to happen right now, but like you gotta take a first step. You know what I mean? And sometimes, yeah. and, and this could be that first step. It could be a Frankie's talking about. Like I, like I said, how Frankie worded what he just said. Like you did something cool, but I'm not impressed yet. Keep you know keep doing it. Like give make an ongoing series with you know so, you know with some Native American voices, right? A Native American character that would impress me. But but again, you know you gotta start somewhere. You gotta start with the first step, and I'm hoping that maybe this could be that. You know, no doubt. Hey, check you guys real quick. I think we gotta move on, otherwise we'll stay on this forever. So I'll have to push yeah. us along a bit. Hey, uh, real quick. I, this is not something that we've posted on our site, but I'm curious real quick, quick if you guys heard of, I, mean, I don't want to call it a phenomenon because I don't think everything on the internet is a phenomenon if it's new or not, but have you guys heard of dead naming? Have you guys heard of that before? No. Okay, say no. You guys shaking your heads. <laughs> you guys shake your heads no. 
We're old, dude. We're, the, we're old podcast for old people. So if it's some, some young, yeah. young man shit, I, I don't know. I don't know why you think we know it. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyways, real quick. Okay, so you guys know what happened with Elliot Page, right? Right. And so, so um, you know, Ellen Page becomes, you know, um, you know, came out. She's she's Elliot or he's Elliot Page. Dead naming is essentially what I just did, I guess, for you know all intents and purposes. You know, I'm trying to basically explain for any of our listeners who don't know Elliot Page formerly, formerly Ellen Page, has come out as trans and is now Elliot Page. But dead naming is, I guess, a thing. It's you know basically it's trolling, where people just continue for the purposes of pissing people off. You know, I guess classic trolling to just keep you know saying. Um, Ellen Page, or keep saying she and her, basically using feminine pronouns, his former name. Um, it's just a way of pissing people off. But I didn't even know it was a thing, and literally until like today, we had posted on the site that you know everything that Elliot Page had gone through, uh, Elliot Page's story. We had posted on the site, but really, I just happened to be reading the news um, earlier today. I'd never even heard of dead names and stuff. I didn't know. Obviously, I knew it was a thing. I knew there were some assholes out there. At least I knew the sentiment, right? I knew there were assholes out there that were going to look at someone who's trans and not give a crap if it has, if it's their truth, if it only live by their own and just spend all their time trying to um, piss people off online and make this person feel like um, whatever their personal truth in terms of gender or sexuality is not valid. I was just curious if you guys have heard, heard that before. I feel like every day I'm learning some new um, phrase on the internet about like this, you know, this is how you describe this situation. This just felt so you know, beyond my ability to keep up. I was curious if you guys knew what was going on. Can you imagine living in like medieval Europe, right? Like we're like, like seriously, like maybe like a hundred years goes on, goes along without like anything changing, right? <laughs> you know, like a hundred years, like two generations of motherfuckers, right? We're like nothing changes where everything's completely the same. No worry about it. Whereas I feel like in modern 21st century, the world, Things are changing every day, right? Every day, there's there's a new term, there's a there's there's a new reality, there's a new like idea. You know, it's it's exciting, but also, it's... I feel like the vernacular is in constant motion, right? Right. Like the idiom and the vernacular are in constant motion, and it's sometimes just difficult to keep up. That's why I just wanted to ask you guys and see if you had heard anything about it. Yeah, Anyways, it goes wait. back to yeah. I mean, it, it all traces from patriarchy man colonization and and now capitalism you know like like all of these you know people have made have been made to feel powerless for so long and the vast majority of us you know are, are treated as such that that now when when there's a platform where so many people are listening you know people are just gonna keep talking you know and gonna keep finding ways to empower themselves i've never heard of that dead naming you know and i'll be honest i you know I, I don't I can't keep up with everything you know it's happening so fast and all these new definitions and you know but but um you know but but re, you know you really look into the the psychology of the people who are perpetuating these behaviors you know and how unhappy are they how powerless do they feel that the only thing they can do is to continue to make other people feel powerless for trying to become themselves yeah amen so um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. Hallelujah. Frankie, Frankie has a has a has a pulpit. People can't see this at home, but Frankie has a pulpit in front of him that he just preaches from all, <laughs> all the time. It's crazy. 
<laughs> he does his show from it. Just the microphone and like a pulpit. He's standing there. He's got deacons all behind him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, choir. You can't see him, but I'm telling you, he's got a whole get up. It's crazy. 72 deacons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a Baptist church. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. All of them named Sam. <laughs> Everything else has one of Speaking of Disney, it seems like so much, man, because Disney has bought up so much, man. Even when we're talking about different things, like if, we're if we move from Marvel, you know, and I want to talk about Star Wars, I'm still essentially talking about Disney. It's just that they, you know, control so much. But anyways, that's, I'm going to digress. That's another issue. Gina Carano. Now, we had already had a discussion about cancel culture, which I've already said that I am in full support of cancel culture. I don't really understand to some extent when people say, I mean, I know, Jared, you, I shouldn't say I know. I it felt a little bit after our last discussion that you were um, maybe somewhat forgiving in the sense of saying, like, you know, I don't care. I'm, I'm just watching the movie. I'm not, you know, trying to judge you or anything about that and stuff. I'm not saying, or I, might, I may have even missed the sentiment. Um, Please generalize, generalize. I welcome it. Go for yeah. it. <laughs> I may, like I said, I may have even misunderstood the sentiment and stuff, man. But so right now, the situation is that obviously, I think you guys were talking about earlier before we um, actually started recording about Gina Carano being in the running, along with some, you know, some other um, series that Disney is looking to announce in the Star Wars universe for having her own show for her character, Cara Dune, right? But then essentially what has gone on is that Gina Carano has come out and said the election was stolen. She's come out against the vaccine, you know, telling people not to get the vaccines. I'm telling people not to wear masks. She has blocked anyone who on her Twitter or anyone else that's on any social media that um, has stated any kind of support for the Black Lives Matter movement. She's done all kinds of different stuff, right? The issue now, it seems that Disney is saying that apparently, now this is rumor, we want you to apologize publicly or you're not going to get to show you. My opinion is, I don't think she gives a shit. But nonetheless, I mean, you guys have heard the rumors, you've seen the story, you've seen her character. Does it really matter? I mean, is Cara doing a good enough character that Disney could even hold this, um, you know, this enticement over her in any way she performs? I'm thinking whether she apologizes or, apologizes or not, Cara Dune's not even a good enough character to have her own series. I mean, like, okay, here's my thing. Like, it's, the series is called Rangers of the New Republic, right? And so, like, it probably wouldn't be about her, but I mean, like, I happen to like her character in The Mandalorian. I think I think uh, she showed a lot of sensitivity, but also like toughness. You know, like she's a badass, but she had a lot of vulnerability. She she did a good job portraying that character that was well written, right? Or you know, at least additive to the Star Wars universe, the Star Wars mythos. The idea is she's from Alderaan, this planet that was blown up. She's this rebel who, like, you know, goes out of her way to fuck over the Empire wherever she can because that's how personal she takes it. I think that's a great character. And I, I would have loved to have seen her do more in the universe, even if, if she's not holding up her own series, which I agree she probably couldn't do anyway. But the idea of seeing her in another series or, or even seeing her more in The Mandalorian and seeing... The New Republic kind of like form, you know, and, and seeing her as one of the vocal, the viewpoints of that story, I think that could have been exciting. But I think Star Wars is about escapism for me, right? For everyone, right? Like I don't think anyone's watching Star Wars because you know it's this intense character study. Like it's it's escapism, right? It's fun, it's fantasy. 
And so knowing the kind of things that she believes, it breaks that fantasy for me. It, it really does. So even watching the last episode she was in The Mandalorian, it was tough for me because it's like, it's like I... I just want to enjoy the show. I want to enjoy. I want to be lost in this world. But when I see her, I see just a vile woman. <laughs> I see just a vile person. Like I, I mean, she's probably not vile. She's probably all right or whatever. But I mean, like, it's just the politics of it. I just, I just, I just. It's hard to look past it, right? And maybe that's not very mature of me. Like maybe that's something I gotta get over. But, uh, but yeah, it bums me out. It bums me out. And then it bums me out even more knowing that, like, Filoni and Favreau, the guys who create the Mandalorian and are making this Rangers and Republic series, the fact that they have a vision for the series, and obviously she was part of that vision, and now they may have to, like, change that vision and possibly, you know, affect affect the the quality of that vision. I think it's a, it's a bummer. Like, like ultimately, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll shut up about it, but ultimately I just think actors are the worst. <laughs> like objectively speaking, actors are the worst. You know, they're 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 not philosophers, they're not intellectuals, not a lot of them, most of them, right? Like they're just they're just pretty people who can pretend real good, right? And so like whenever any of them open their mouths, on either end, on either end, you know, like conservative views, liberal views, a lot of times I'm just like just just shut up and let me enjoy. <laughs> Let me enjoy this. Let me enjoy this this thing that you just pretend, you know, like she's so not even that great of an actress. Like it's you know, I'm not pleased by her. I don't forget that she was a fighter. She's a fighter, right? They're learning how to be an actress. She looks really good in the role. You know, she 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 has a like a, a large warrior frame, which is awesome. But I mean it doesn't she doesn't put me in the she doesn't put me in the fantasy. Right? It's not like like wow, her acting skills are so amazing that she can carry an entire show. No, I, I'm not. You know, she's not why. Like I watch the show, um, and I'm not gonna be satisfied with an apology, right? Like I'm like, hey, so you, you're just gonna be pretending, right? You're just so you, this is how you're gonna feel, you know, to yourself secretly, um, yeah. you know, and and um, you know, Disney's Disney's uh aim in all of this is to make money, right? I mean, you know, how concerned are they really with her opinions or is it just because if they, they're going to put a lot of money into the show and they know that, you know, that the, the times that we're in, a lot of people are going to be like, you know, this, she, she's wilding out on Twitter and saying some crazy stuff and saying some dangerous stuff, you know? Um, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not really that interested. I think they can recast that role pretty easily. Uh, yeah. You know, with someone who's a better actress, you know. But uh, you know, either way, like I said, I'm not. That, that's not gonna satisfy me. Like, but like, that's her job, right? Like, on the one hand, I feel like, you know, I want to respect that people can have opinions, their own opinions about things, right? I, I want to, you know. But when you're spouting out danger, when you when you're in a position of power, which she obviously is because of her celebrity, when you're spouting out things that are that can be dangerous, that can. Uh, that can cause uh, harm to people, you know, you have to be held accountable for that, right? Um, so, so I don't know, I'm, you know, on the one hand, I'm like, mm, I don't really, like, you know, fire her, I don't care, you know? And on the other hand, because I mean, I'm not gonna be satisfied, you know, with, with her lying to us by apologizing because her daddy, 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 Hallelujah, amen, amen, Frankie, amen. <laughs> Yo, you want, hey, you want a job as a deacon? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for 1973.
There's look, there's definitely a space between um, having a political opinion or even a social opinion to that extent. But Frankie's right. There's, a, there's it's a different um, it's a different category when your opinion affects the public health, right? And I think that's what what Frankie's getting at to some extent is that by being an anti be anti masker anti you know anti vaccine those things are dangerous those are dangerous opinions because those affect people beyond beyond her constituency of people who believe like her that masks don't matter that the vaccine will kill you instead of covid it goes beyond that right but her social opinion her opinion about black lives matter or whether or not children should be caged at the border is a whole different thing we can think that's vile but that's a different opinion that she might be allowed to have even though we don't like it. On the other end, I also believe that you know, we vote with our feet, right? And that old phrase means that where we place our money is equivalent to what we value, right? That's why they say in politics that a budget you know, put forth by a government, a budget is a moral statement. It's a moral statement by the people who are in office, right? So by me you know, giving money to something that supports her, I am making either an affirmative um, statement about this person and their views, or at the very least, I'm making an apathetic one where I'm saying that it doesn't matter. It's one thing that to say that, you know what, I support her views about anti-masking, about vaccinations, about Black Lives Matter, about border, about border Patrol, or another thing to also be like, I just don't care if about all that stuff. And each one of those ultimately redounds to the same end, right? That so that's why I'm saying like I believe in cancel culture just in the sense of saying that I'm not going to spend my money on something that has a, an affirmative negative effect on my community right or communities like mine that are in similar situ situations. So that's all I'm kind of getting at with um, Gina Carano. The problem I have with Gina Carano and myself is that I up until this moment have liked Gina Carano. I never even Carl though I didn't think Carl Dune was a good enough character even before hearing about this to carry any kind of franchise you know, or at least a smaller franchise within the franchise. I never thought that, or she, or even thought that she was a good enough actress. I liked her in supporting roles. I dug her in, um, in Deadpool. Man, I will watch, even though I, I dislike her, her fight scene against Colossus in, Dead, in that first Deadpool movie is the best choreographed fight scene I've seen in a superhero movie. It's awesome. Go back and watch that thing. I can watch that over and over again. I sometimes put that movie on just to watch that fight scene. It is that good. Whereas it's funny that when you look at the, the Juggernaut Colossus fight scene, which people have loved in comic books for decades, was horrible and stupid looking. But hers was great. But nonetheless, man, I digress. Let's move on to the topic. No, actually, I, I, one, one more point, though. I want to say, what do you guys think of Letitia Wright? Like, you know, like... You're right. Thank you for bringing that up. Because I mean, it's 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 very similar, you know, like you know, like it, like you know, again, like her, maybe her politics are a little more akin to to ours, Letitia Wright, but like she's still spreading ignorance and nonsense when it comes to like COVID and vaccines and stuff like that. Um, I wonder if she, I would, I wonder if she gets a pass, right? Like, or you well, know, she obviously did not get a pass because the first person to call her out minutes into that madness, she said, was Don Cheadle. Yeah, <laughs> he's a violent yeah, so, issue. <laughs> Wright had no time to even stew in it. The good thing that Gina Carano had was that because of her, because her followers and the people that exist within that, um, what do you want to call it, that universe of thought, 
it, it kind of it basically camouflaged it camouflaged her for a while. You know, no one was thinking, oh, you know, Gina Carano, let's go to this area. You know, people were on HAN necessarily or on Parlor looking for Gina Carano and her statements. But those statements had been kind of her statements had already been kind of swirling around a little bit into in right wing sites for for a bit of time before mainstream media found out at the very least uh, media that we would normally pay attention to people on more of our political um, vein would have heard. But Letitia Wright doesn't exist there. So you're right in many ways. Um, but I think because of who, who Letitia Wright is versus Gina Carano, she didn't get as much of a pass. I think the opposite is true. Because the thing about it is the people who are paying attention to Letitia Wright are thinking, that's chaos. Yeah. That's the kind of crap you get from a Trumper, unless Letitia Wright comes out to be a British Trumper or something, you know what I'm saying? That she's you, know, all in the you know what Letitia Wright and Jenny Crano are. You know, you know what they are, right? What? Free thinkers. They're free thinkers, oh, yeah, Jeff Wright. You know, they're free thinkers. They, they don't they don't cue to the bullshit liberal media that you guys do. You know what I mean? They think for themselves, okay? So Man, I'm, mis I'm mistrusting of the idea of, the, of a vaccine, right? Like, I'm like, you know, it takes, you know, you look at the science of stuff and you're like, okay, you know, it takes two years to create a vaccine. They did this in like four months. You know? <laughs> so, so I'm like, look, I ain't, I, I ain't opposed. I ain't, I'm just going to take like, like uh, the vaccine pro part three. Yeah. Right? yeah. I, I'm going to wait on that, you know? I mean, there's just some stuff that's just silly. Like, okay, you know, I'm, I don't, sometimes I, you know, I, I doubt the information they're giving us about COVID, but do I know that wearing a mask covers your mucous membranes where you, where, you know, where you end up getting flus and viruses? Yes, that's a fact, you know? So it's like, whether it's true or not, you know that that's going to help, you know, that's going to help you at least not get sick. I don't, well, I, I don't want the flu either. That's, that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's one thing to have an opinion about this stuff and to be like, I don't know. You know, I, I honestly don't know. And I want to figure that out and research it. But I think when you're someone like Gina Carano or Letitia Wright, who have a platform, you know, yeah. who have people who listen to them, you have to think it sucks because Letitia Wright's like, she's young, right? She's like in her 20s still. So, I mean, like, maybe she's not even think about it like that. But it's just like there's responsibility there that maybe is inherent that maybe, she, I don't know, it feels like maybe they're not thinking about, right? It's just like, I just want to give my opinion. It's like, yeah, but your opinion is powerful. And you have to understand the power of that opinion. I look at I this, I, I, I believe in science. You know what I'm saying? The cool thing about science. I don't believe in God, I believe in science. Spock said, I don't need to, to see the hammer fall to know that gravity exists. And so, I mean, that's what, how I kind of look at it with even um, most of the doctors that we see now, Dr. Fauci, maybe even Dr. Burks, if you have to, you know, but if we look at most of science now, most of them have been humble about the way they talk about COVID-19, the way they talk about the effects it has in terms of long haulers, the effects it has on your body, and then about the fact whether or not they even know. I have not seen too many mainstream CNN scientists MSNBC scientists, mainstream news scientists go on there and say, we know all of the facts about COVID. I haven't seen a single one of them say, because they know that in many ways that, the, that COVID is somewhat mercurial and that they have not been out there basically telling you, hey, we, we figured this thing out 100%. We're just doing our best and, and waiting for new science to come. And most of these cats have followed the scientific method and, and in many ways are as unsure as we are. So that's what I think should give us confidence in the sense, at the very least, these cats are doing their best. 
But nonetheless, um, I think we better move on. Give myself the last word. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jared, what are you um, what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you excited about? What's coming up? What am I reading? What am I watching? What am I excited for? So okay, all right. There's a lot of news. A lot of news. A lot of, a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on. Um, okay. So I'm reading. Um, what I'm watching. I'm gonna say we're, we're kind of watching this the same stuff, right? We're we're watching this. We're watching something. And we all want to talk about it. Frankie's going to get into that later. We'll get into it. The Star Wars. It's Mandalorian. I love it. But we'll get into that later. Uh, I'm reading is a lot of comics. Caught up with a lot of stuff recently. Uh, reading a bunch of, uh, yeah, just books that, like, I've been meaning to read for a while. Uh, I read a Neil Gaiman joint called uh, uh, Study in, in Emerald, which is, like, uh, him mixing the Sherlock Holmes uh, um, character with the, myth, with the uh, Lovecraft mythos. Um, which is pretty interesting. Uh, kind of like it was, I think he made he wrote like a novella and someone adopted it into a comic book. It was really interesting. Uh, like a cool little horror book, like a little side story about like, like essentially what if Sherlock Holmes existed in a Lovecraftian sort of like world kind of thing. And it's, it's actually pretty awesome. Um, another book called Undiscovered Country by uh, Scott Snyder and Charles Soule. Uh, one wrote Daredevil for a long time. One wrote Batman for a long time. He did the Court of Owls, Scott Snyder. And it's a book about what if America 30 years ago built a big old wall and closed its borders for the rest of the world. So for 30 years, no one's heard from America. No one's gone into America. No one's immigrated from America or, or came from or into America. Like, no one's heard from any American in 30 years. And then one day they just send out a message and say, you know, we're allowing a team of you, of you weird European people to come into our country and uh, get a piece of some sort. And that's where the book kind of starts. And it's this crazy, like, Mad Max fucking, like, hyper-reality uh, fuck it. <laughs> like, it's it's crazy. Like, there's so many big ideas about what America means and what it is, uh, not just to Americans, but also, you know, to the world, uh, the vitality of America, but also uh, its, its shortcomings and faults. So it's a very interesting story, but, but it's one couched in absolute just chaos, just, just absolute balls out, heavy metal ass. Um, <laughs> Just, just craziness called Undiscovered Country. It, it, it's worth checking out. It, it's an interesting read. Um, is that supposed to take place? Is it what post World War II? No, Undiscovered Country. It takes place like in the future. So it takes place. So essentially, oh. it takes place like thirty years in the future. So if today oh. America closes, you know, just disappears, just closes borders off, and no one's heard from it, this book takes place thirty years from this point. And like, you know, yeah, exactly. It's interesting. It, it's fun. Um, uh, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff to kind of chew on there as well. Uh, also, I'm reading uh, a Marvel, I'm reading the Avengers book, the uh, Marvel's Avengers book. I won't go too much into it because I, I told Frankie to read it. I actually I have those issues for you, Frankie. I'm gonna, I got I to gotta bring those to you. But, uh, yeah, it's Marvel's flagship. And it's it's great. Like, we had a discussion, a few like, you know, many episodes back about uh, colorblind casting and about how, like, it's important to refresh characters and to look at characters from a from a perspective you hadn't seen them from, right? And you know, when you have like the same the same white perspective, you know, patriarchal white perspective, white man perspective, I guess, 
telling the same stories over and over again, it just gets boring. If from just for my money, like it's just something that I'm like, oh, okay, this is a story very similar to what Frank Miller was doing or what Alan Moore was doing or what Warren Ellis was doing, but they did it better than you. You know what I mean? Like, and so like, so that's why I feel like when people make a character black or Latino or gay or whatever, I think it's potentially, it could be potentially interesting because it might be a way to examine a character in a more vital way. So at least to the moment, right? And that's not always the case, but I'm always open-minded to it, towards it, right? But this writer, Jason Aaron, when he how he approaches the Avengers, how he approaches a lot of his work, but especially this Avengers run, is he kind of looks at it like, like he's not recasting characters. He's not like, you know, making Iron Man black or whatever, Captain America gay. Though that would be fascinating, but he's not doing that. He's what he's doing though is he's like he's using the entire toolbox of the Marvel universe, right? And he's and he's 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 kind of taking all these different t things and characters that usually don't really overlap and he's finding really cool and interesting ways to make them overlap. Like for example, Black Panther you know, like, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist anymore, right? And Black Panther is the uh, the official chairman of the Avengers, right? And so since S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist, Black Panther's stepping up into the vacuum and he creates the agents of the agents of Wakanda, right? So Wakanda is 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 kind of doing what S.H.I.E.L.D. was doing, right? Kind of helping people and, and, and bringing, you know, stopping monsters and stuff like that. Okoye is his director and Kazar is one of his agents and, you know, uh, the Gorilla Man from, you know, whatever is one of his agents. And it's all these different characters and interesting ideas that you don't usually see overlap, like Ghost Rider, Robbie Reyes is, is part of the Avengers, and um, Blade is an Avenger now. You know, like, all these really interesting, cool ideas. And he just had an arc uh, where uh, the Moon Knight just goes ham on the Avengers in a way that you just never really expect it. You know, it's, it's a very interesting run, and, and it's a very interesting way, I feel like, to approach, to approach this kind of stuff, to, to bring a, a kind of fresh perspective without having to like completely reboot a character or like, you know, kind of scratch it all and start from the beginning, right? It, it's an interesting way to sort of kind of say, let me take it all, let me use it all uh, and, and put it in a gumbo and you got a good soup going kind of thing. Um, but it's, it's a good read, it's, it's fun. It's worth checking out. Nice. What, what, what kind of things are you excited about? about on the horizon. So what I'm excited about is the news today about all the Disney stuff, the Marvel and the Star Wars stories and even Pixar. I'm not even the biggest Pixar guy. Even the Pixar stories are great. Like today was such a great day. It felt like a gift. I, I, I was like so, had so much excite, excited nerve energy. Like I, I just like, I had to walk. I was literally walking to Starbucks uh, to get it, you know, to get something, to get a coffee, just, just just to walk something off. I was like calling Frankie while I was texting my friend about. I mean, I was just all over the place. But I'm a big Marvel guy. I'll let Frankie kind of go into the Star Wars stuff. But I'm a big Marvel guy. So seeing them talk about and drop all those Marvel stories uh, was just amazing. Like I think what Marvel is doing in the next phase, at least you know on the on the surface of it, on paper, is fascinating. It's cool. It's exciting. It could all fall flat in his face. It's very ambitious. But, I mean, like, I'm all for it, man. I'm like, if you're going to fail, then fucking fail big, right? Like, go big, <laughs> right? Just do it. Like, you know, and, and like, I feel like I would feel – I may be alone on this, right? But, like, I feel like I would – I'd rather them go for it, go crazy, go nuts, right? And then, like, not pay it off than to them be like, oh, you know, let's 
you know, do something safe. And they're all like, that's how I feel about like all phase one Marvel movies, right? Where it's like they made very safe choices and they weren't very exciting movies. And honestly, I didn't really give a shit about the Marvel movies in phase one, right? Iron Man was great, but like Captain America was all right. Thor was, I thought was terrible. Like, I was not terrible, but this wasn't for me. You know what I mean? Like, like, I wasn't really into it, right? It wasn't until like phase two and three when they started really doing really cool, fun, interesting things. Uh, and they did it more and more that I really start getting into it. So, like, seeing them just off the bat, just start doing that. Like, the trailer for Loki was insane. Like, I'm like, what is going on? The trailer for WandaVision? Like, what is that show? I have no idea. I can't wait to find out, right? Like, like comics should be weird, I feel like. That's, that's a deep philosophy for me. It's in my bones, dog. Comics should be weird right like and and so i like the idea that uh that they're going for it right and 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 what i also love is through the announcements i saw the tv announcements was a secret invasion series um a, uh a iron heart series and um what was the last one and a, and a armor war series all three of those series are headed by uh black characters uh secret invasion is headed by uh samuel jackson uh, Ironheart is about a genius black girl who pretty much takes all Tony Stark's designs and make him, makes them her own, and she becomes like the next Iron Man. And Armor Wars fo follows uh, uh, James Rhodey uh, trying to like stop people from using t Tony's technology, I guess, uh, to do bad shit. So I mean, like, so I just love the idea that like, like Marvel does this sometimes, where like there's an X Men run, right? It was just called X Men, right? But they took all they took all the best X Men characters. Okay, cool. They took all the best X-Men characters, and, and, but all the best X-Men characters have to be women. So it was, a, it was a team with Storm, Rogue, Phoenix, uh, Psylocke, and it wasn't like, oh, the woman X-Men. It was like, oh, no, these are just the best X-Men. The best X-Men are women, right? And so I love the idea that like we're in this phase now where we're getting all these amazing characters, amazing stories, and not like, oh, they're the black version. It's like, no, that uh, Nick Fury is dope. You know, Ironheart is dope. James Rhodey is dope, and those are going to be awesome stories. So um, that's what I'm excited about, uh, which is a damn long. <laughs> so, I'll, yeah, I'll let someone else talk. Take a breath, though. Take a breath. That <sighs> should be weird. Like, you look at, um, like, Scott Derrickson, right, who was the director of Doctor Strange. And we were going into Doctor Strange. That was the whole thing. I remember there were times when I was a kid that I just couldn't even follow a Doctor Strange comic because it was so wild. That it was just so off the reservation. I just couldn't. I couldn't even follow it. It wasn't until I got a little bit older that I could even really follow the story progression in Doctor Strange. And you wanted to see some of that reflected in the movie. And to Scott Derrickson's credit, like he made some pretty wild stuff. That was some pretty crazy stuff actually happened in the flick. So I'm with you. I, I agree. With you. I think. And granted, obviously, when we talk about strange and weird things in comic books, no pun intended. It's good. The weirdest side of it is obviously going to be Doctor Strange, but we're talking about, um, you know, the multiverse and uh, magic and outer space. Crap should be weird. It should be nuts. It should be hard to handle. It should, you know, terrify us at the same time make us, you know, you know, drop our jaws in awe to some extent, right? So I'm with you on. I agree. So I'm just taking okay. over myself. Uh, uh, hey, Jared. Oh, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best you got. Right, try it again. Hey, 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 Jared. Got to do that. Uh, right. What are you excited? What are you, what are you watching? What are you reading? And what are you excited about? 
Uh, that was perfect, dude. You delivered that like a real anchor. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, like I'm looking at Dan Rather right now. Um, <laughs> Black ass Rather. That's that's yeah, my yeah. that's my that's my rap name. Black Rather. <laughs> Man. So, anyways, um, reading right now. So I'm reading. I it's. I don't know about you guys. Um, I don't know about uh, you or Frankie, man. How even before COVID, I was having a a, a more an increasingly difficult time of picking up my box at the comic book store. You know what I'm saying? So what was happening when I finally would show up, my box would be like fifty dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like a ridiculous number. So I just stopped doing it. You know, what I mean, I just stopped doing it, and I was trying to count on just showing up at the comic book store. And just finding the right titles, but that got even was still difficult too. I got two kids, you know, plus you know everything else. It, it just was too much. So what I started doing was reading trades. So right now I mostly just read trades. I find the first six issues, first eight, eight issues, collected in a trade. I read that. So what I'm reading right now is um, the Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda, uh, Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, written by Coates. Um, the art's not the greatest, but strangely enough the art kind of works you know what i'm saying it's not something that if i saw a single piece of the art i can't remember what the artist's name is now if i saw a single panel of the art i wouldn't say it was awesome but in con it's kind of like uh what's the thor no no i know you're talking about you're out of your mind daniel acuna is the artist on the intergalactic empire of wakanda and daniel acuna is legit you're on you are a crazy person but that's just my opinion please let me finish what i was getting at then my friend it works. It's kind of like, do you remember the first time you saw um, Walt Simonson? Walt Simonson's art for Thor? The funny thing about it was, Walt Simonson's art for Thor worked. It was like awesome because his his art, because it was so kind of out of left field, it worked perfectly for the idea of Norse gods. Where you were, you felt like you were never quite sure what you were looking at, but because it was Norse gods, it, it kind of worked. But when you also saw Walt Simonson's artwork in, um, in The New Mutants, it wasn't bad, but it just didn't fit quite as well as it did for Norse gods. That's why I felt about um, the intergalactic empire of Wakanda. Is that it's, it's? I mean, look. I mean, you can be mad at me. I don't feel like it was. It's the best art I've seen, but it works for some reason. When I look at it, it works in the context that it's in. That's what I was trying to get at. Like, it just it feels very contextual, and maybe that you know is it. It, it works for the artist. It's something to say positively about that artist specifically. Maybe I probably wouldn't think this person has a better artist than Jim Lee or some of my other favorite artists like John Byrne or Ron Lim or something like that and stuff. So even though I say John Byrne, he's a writing asshole, turns out. But anyway, I digress. Um, but I'm reading the Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda. It's fresh. So far, I'm not done. I am digging it. It kind of plays well into the idea. Jared, you can speak to this real quick. It plays well into the idea of uh, Afrofuturism. It is a strange perspective. Only thing problem I have with it is that it looks like right now that the ultimate bad guy might once again be my least favorite Black Panther bad guy in his rogues gallery, which is Injadaka. I know a lot of people are mad at me because they say that, you know, Injadaka was right. I still think he's a bit of a bro, even though Michael B. Jordan did not play him like a bro. He, that, he was the best version of Injadaka so far. I'm not finished with this one yet. So hopefully I'll find a different Injadaka than the one that has normally been portrayed in the comic books up to, to date. So, I, I um, think, that, I think you on. probably you probably got some stuff to read. Like I, I want to say there's a, there's a twist on on who Killmonger is 
like or, yeah. or what he's about, what King Killmonger is about, or Emperor Killmonger is about. That I think uh, yeah. maybe you're, but like yeah, the, just how over the top that idea is. I think is really impressive. The idea that Wakanda said we want to send Wakandas into space, and a spaceship yeah. somehow got lost in space. You know, through a wormhole, came out thousands of years in the past, and then just completely took over a sector of the galaxy. I think I think is a pretty yeah. impressive. Uh, uh, just story idea, you know. I was having some trouble following the story initially. I want to say it was all over the place, but it wasn't all over the place. It just takes a little bit of time for the the timeline to coalesce and, and to understand exactly what you're reading and who the, the actual characters are. So, anyways, and the only the thing I'm excited about. Uh, oh, what am I watching? My I'm currently watching the original Star Trek series. You know what, man, with all the new Star Trek series, I felt like I needed to go back and just, because I haven't watched it in like 20 years. And the funny thing I realized is that it is both as sexist as I remember and not as sexist as I remember. And it is also, Kirk is a better captain than I remember. Don't you? And also he's as, just as bad as a fighter as I remember too. The dude can't <laughs> fight. The choreography is ridiculous. Like, man, Frankie, I'm curious, man, how many martial arts studios have you been where people clasp both hands together and that's a better punch than just punching them with one hand? You know what I'm saying? Or the <laughs> drop kick. How does the drop kick get worked into every fight? I just don't get it. But, like, that's, like, his like his two primary moves. It's just so horrible. When but, was the film? Um, I think 68 is when uh, Star Trek started. Am I wrong? Jared, yes. like the first one started. Sounds about right. Fighting like, in America, man, didn't didn't get good till the late eighties. Yeah, man. And well, don't for any um trekkies out more hardcore than me, do not hold this against me. I apologize for not if I got the date wrong. Wait, is Frankie? Are, are you saying uh, American choreography didn't get good until American Ninja? Is, I feel like that's what you're saying. You're you're pretty much saying American Ninja was the turnaround point for. Fight choreography in movies, right? In American movies. And it was when they brought Jackie Chan over, and still, like his early American films, you know, were uh, were still they, they held him back a lot. Um, but when they when they let him, you know, let loose, man, or, you know, or You're Bruce, right. you know, I mean, Bruce was still dope. It was a dope ass fight scene. But when Jackie Chan came over, and they they really let him bring his choreographers, it changed the game in fight scenes in American cinema. Absolutely right. Because I'll tell you this, the fight scenes in Dolomite were dope, and that happened in the 70s. Fight scenes <laughs> in Shaft in Africa, crazy dope. You know what I'm saying? Because the thing about it is, the fight Preach. scenes... In... <laughs> Preach! Hallelujah! Preach on, Jared! Preach well, on! Just, well, how about this, man? How many people, how many young people got set up by those movies thinking that's how fights actually went and got their asses whooped in their first fight <laughs> because they clasped, clasped their hands together and swung. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's horrible, man. Like, the fight scenes were so bad. But here's the funny thing about it is the very first scene, the very first, the pilot of Star Trek, you can tell Star Trek in many ways was a very progressive show. I mean, I, I, because I talk about it... <laughs> It wasn't sexist in that it was overtly sexist. You, in, I mean, I shouldn't say that. It was overtly sexist. But it wasn't like, he, you know, they weren't walking around, you know, saying the B word or the C word or things like that. They weren't slapping ladies or anything like that. It was more the, um, the, the Bechtel test 
kind of like sexism and stuff, man. Like the stuff that you can definitely analyze um, at a communications level. But the thing about it is the very first episode, I don't know if you guys ever saw The Cage, which was the pilot episode of Star Trek, who where the captain was Captain Pike. I don't know if you ever, either of you guys ever saw that. But Captain Pike's number one, his XO, his number one was a woman. And she actually had pants on and she had agency. The thing about it was, was in that episode, Captain Pike gets taken by some, um, some like super powerful aliens. He's put in a cage. And so all the crew has to turn to her for decisions, and she actually makes the decisions. It's not like she's like some silent um, uh, silent captain where all these dudes were making decisions, and she just acquiesced to their decisions. But she actually was in charge of the Enterprise while Captain Pike was away. And she had pants on. That was the best thing. Because the funny thing was, as soon as um, Picard took over, suddenly all of, you know, even Ohura, who was an actual officer, all were in these miniskirts. Beyond Ohura, none of the women had any kind of rank. They were all yeomen, bringing him coffee and stuff, man. And all of them were in some kind of pseudo-romantic possible relationship with Kurt. But but anyway, if I may say one more thing about Kurt before I get get on, Kurt was a good captain. Go on. I don't know any of these names. Okay. Well, you know Captain Kirk, man. Oh, Captain Kirk? Kind of. Yeah. He never yeah, saw Star Trek. We've been over this. He's never I, seen I Star know. Trek, which is crazy to me. That's a, that's, that's a crazy thing. You're a sociopath, my friend. You are, you are I, I don't trust you. I just you have know? taste, brother. I just have taste. I don't know if there's that much I'm excited about right now. I mean, I think I'm excited about the same things that uh, Jared already mentioned. There's one show that I did just watch that I'm, I'm hoping they do a second season for. It's a show called Truth Seekers. And Truth Seekers yes. makes me think about Something that, that Jared said earlier about um, basically our slang changing over time. The thing I like about British television is the slang never changes. They use the same, the same curse words and the same epithets that their grandparents use. They use the same ones. It's the funniest shit. It's like none of the slang ever changes. Every shit is just bullocks and rubbish. It is just the guts, man. But that show was fresh. Man, I don't, I don't know about anyone that's listening to get a chance to watch the show. True Seekers, it's definitely in the nerd genre, but it's also in the British nerd genre. What do you say, Jared? I love no, I, I love that show. I, I guess I am watching that show, and I will say I I watched uh, Utopia as well, and I watched this show. And what I found really interesting is that Utopia is full of just they're kind of like similar shows in a lot of ways, like kind of yeah. about you know like. The, like the underpinnings beneath the underpinnings of society kind of yes. thing. But one has completely despicable characters and the other one has like really likable characters, uh, which is true seekers. Yeah. And I just, it's just, there's something about it. It's just, it's a, it's a show with just really likable people. And it's just yeah. really watchable as opposed to like utopia, which is just like, you just want to, you just, it, everyone's just the worst. Which version <laughs> of you watch the, the English version, or you watched the American version? Uh, the American. I think it was one. I heard the English one was better, but I saw the American yeah. version. Yeah. Yeah, that was I hard, heard the... hard, to, hard to watch. Yeah. Frankie, man, I'm, I'm curious what you think about this. I, I agree with you. The funny thing about the American version of Utopia was that as the series got on, the most likable character became John Cusack. You know what I'm saying? Like, as yeah! Was, <laughs> he was the be- It was the best performance, or, or at the very least, our Arby, right? So, Arby was like, my favorite. Guys. 
the two bad guys became the two most interesting characters and the two most likable. I you, I almost wanted them to succeed. And by the time I heard that they were they had canceled the show and were not doing a second season, I'm like, man, just do a season about those two guys. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that, but I I, yeah, I, I, I understand. Because I wanted Jessica Hyde to get hit with a yeah. For real. So, hey, Frankie, man, what are you into these days, man? What, what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you excited about? Man, I just I just finished reading The Three Jokers, which was amazing. It was an amazing story. Um, and I, I loved how it handled the subject matter, but really I loved how it delved into, like, healing trauma, uh, you know, with Batman. It, it, was, it, was, it was such a refreshing surprise um, to, to witness, like, Batman go through that that uh yeah that reconciliation right with with uh with the person who victimized him right which essentially set him on his course like it was just it was such a a beautiful thing to witness um and, and yeah and it surprised me so I, I really enjoyed that um i also like i really enjoyed that he all he knew from the beginning who you know the real joker was like of course yeah. you know <laughs> he's batman yeah, he, put, he pulled you know? that shit too. He's like, I hate to sound like people think I sound, but I'm Batman. I knew who that motherfucker was on day one. <laughs> that was such a good one. And I got it. Um, and and that, he, that he holds that secret, right? That, that at the end where he's, he's, he's always going to be the holder of secrets um, for the greater good. And it still pisses me off. I'm like, damn it, Batman. Who gives you the right? <laughs> um, but, I, but I love Batman, bro. No matter, you know. No matter how conflicted I am with the character, I still I'm a, I'm a diehard Batman fan. I, mean, uh, like, so I would yeah. huh? say like even like the 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 visual kind of like um, the visual kind of things they pull into like the idea of scar tissue, the idea of old wounds and just like physical wounds, but also like wounds of the psyche. They, they, he does a Jeff Johns did a really good job uh, layering all that stuff. Yeah, most definitely. Most, and 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 bringing in a. Uh, what's his name? The Red Hood, you know, who was such a complex character and such a like, s- such a you know, such a, another part of shaping who Batman is, right? right? Talking uh, about the Jason Todd version, right? Yeah, is it the Jason Todd, Jason, okay. the Jason Todd version of the Red Hood, um, who's who Batman could be, right? Uh, this is you know, I was thinking about man, I was thinking about how um, how much fear plays a role in who Batman is. And I remember this amazing episode that was in the animated series where, where, um, where the scarecrow concocted you know, a chemical that made Batman lose his fear. And essentially, he was the Red Hood, right? Essentially, he was just going around. He wasn't afraid of hurting anybody anymore. And you, and you, you recognize in that episode, you realize how much fear plays a role in who Batman is as, as an entity. As a person in his philosophy, like it, he's scared every day, right? Every time he goes out there, every action he makes, there's fear in that action, and that's the thing that keeps him keeps him in check. It's it's amazing. Anyway, um, we, go ahead. No, I kind of like that, man. You know, what I always thought was the the oddest things that the portrayal of because the funny thing is that in the MCU they've taken that what you just mentioned about Batman. And they've taken that sentiment and put it on. They put it on Tony Stark, right? That you have this super capable guy, that basically his driving, um, the you know his driving motivation 
was fear, essentially, right? Ultimately, there was something that was uh, made apparent to him through what happened with the Scarlet Witch, but that this was his driving motivation behind being the Iron Man, having the Iron Legion, yada, yada, yada. But the thing about it is that in the comic books, that that was something, uh, a sentiment that would have more been, that was more likely to have been placed on Black Panther, right? Because all of his motivations, everything he did, I always thought that Black Panther was the closest approximate, of course he's black and a king, but was the closest approximation to Batman that Marvel had. Anyways, I'll, I'll let you go. I just thought that, I just wanted to mention <clears throat> Yeah, man. Um, I also, I'm reading, I'm eagerly waiting uh, episode, or issue two of uh, The Last Ronin, uh, the turtle book. It's, it's bro, it's amazing. I mean, it's I longer than most comic books, right? So it doesn't fit in the box. I'm actually going to get it. I didn't even read it. I read it online so that I didn't have to crack. I don't usually care about comic books, man, but I'm going to frame this one. I'm going to get it graded because it was so dope. Uh, and there was a re- I, I, the only thing I didn't well I didn't and I'm curious about is they reveal who the last Ronin is at the end of the book of the first book and I thought that was surprising I thought that was going to go for the whole series so I'm like what other surprises are they going to bring in the story you know that they're already giving this this large one away but it's super dope book man I definitely recommend it um, yeah I mean other than that I just started A Clash of Kings which is the second book of uh of game of thrones still in it man i you know the show let me down but you know i'm still in it with the books uh far as shows go i my watch i'm i'm i just started, I just started watching, uh, uh stranger thing right you know i'm getting ready for the next season and like when i watch that man it gives me such a nostalgia because like like uh, of the dreams that I had when I was a kid, because that's that's what I wanted, bro. I wanted that group of kids, you know, the Goonies. I wanted my, you know, the homies like that to go on adventures with, because I was the nerd and I was the adventurer, and and uh, you know, and I had you know my bro Chewy, you know, but we really wanted a, a group like that. So just watching that, it just makes me feel like I I get to have it. Uh, but I'm excited about the next season, and then I'm just trying to get through. Uh, I'm trying to get through American Horse. So American Horror Story left me behind, bro, because I couldn't get through Hotel, which is, I think, the fifth season. Um, it's just not catching me. It's just not interesting to me. But I want to get to the next ones, but I, I can't skip it. You're a completionist, man. I am. I'm pushing through one at a time, but it's, it's pretty hard. Um, but yeah, moving on that. And then, you know... Moving into what we're going to be talking about, bro. Like, of course, I'm watching The Mandalorian, right? And it's, you know, it's the last time we spoke, I was not really happy about what was going on on, on uh, transmissions from, from uh, what are we calling it? Uh, from the Outer Rim. Dispatches from the Outer Rim. Dispatches from the Outer Rim. Dispatches from the Outer Rim. I wasn't, I wasn't too excited about uh, what was happening. But, but then my boy Dave Filoni... <laughs> <laughs> he did talk about that some more, bro. Since then, Dave Filoni, and, and you know, we're gonna talk about that. But what I'm excited about, um, bro, I'm excited about. Well, Jared said all the Marvel stuff, but the Star Wars stuff that they're dropping, it's gonna be nuts. Like I haven't been. I just I feel really good right now because I I love like deeply in the core of my soul. Like I love Star Wars. And these last three movies really let me down. 
you know, story-wise, mythology-wise, the kid in me, like, it really let me down, and I'm really excited now, like, at all the series that are going to be released. And I, I don't know if you all know the names, but I was, you know, Ahsoka got her own series. We knew that was coming, right? And now all the Ahsoka, I love it. That all the, come on, all the bandwagoners, let's do it. Let's do it. Get on. Yeah. So we can make this like an eight-season series, you know? But we got, we got Ahsoka, we got maybe... Uh, what's that Rangers one? Rangers of the New Republic, maybe. You know, I'm not. That could be something. You know, uh, but it's, we'll a it's a Filoni. It's a Filoni Favreau joint. Like, like I don't understand why we don't think that's that's gonna be amazing too. Like that's gonna also be amazing. It's the same people, man. That's gonna be awesome. I just don't know what the story's gonna be. You know, I'm like, if I'm gonna be that interested in it, but still, I'm gonna watch. You know, but but bro, we finally got the Obi Wan. Uh, you know, well, it's not even a real trailer, it's just a teaser, but still, you know, we got Obi Wan, we got the news that Hayden Christensen is gonna come back, bro. Like, he's gonna come back as Vader, <laughs> like, that shit's fucking nuts. Like, I'm excited about that, bro. So, here's, um, here's my question he a horrible actor. Here's, here's my question He had time now, Jared. <laughs> 20 years, I'm sure he's improved. He's been in Canada the whole time working on his craft, dog. Like, he's going to be brilliant. Here's my question with the Hey Christmas stuff, right? When I saw that, my jaw dropped. And I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. But is it more crazy because it's just a crazy thing you didn't think they'd ever do? Or is it like, is it a good idea? Or is it or is it a bad idea, I guess? That's what I'm asking. Either way, I think it's, gonna a, I think it's suit, a bad bro. idea. He's going to be in the suit either way. So <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. You know, it's gonna be great. Like I don't, I, don't, I think there's not gonna be very many, uh, you know, actual like Anakin scenes. Maybe, maybe a couple of them. He's like, I hate him. Like, <laughs> you know, like we'll get that. But I mean, I, I hope he's gonna be in the suit a lot. Um, you know, so that that's exciting. We'll see what happens with that. I know they they said that they have this thing called uh, Visions, which is gonna be like a Japanese anime like interpretation of stuff happening in the galaxy. Um, what else we got? I'm just making sure I get everything here. Oh, oh, we got Rogue Squadron. The movie, you know, Patty Jenkins is going to direct Rogue Squadron. That's super exciting. And to top it off, I know there's more. Let's top it off. Confirmed. 2022. We're going to get a Willow series, bro. <laughs> Willow. I'm serious. Warwick Davis, bro. He's going to be you in it. My wife hates it because still my number one thing, my number one phrase for telling my wife to get out of the way is out of the way, Peck. <laughs> it's the best. I it's, still do it too. Uh, People don't even get the reference. They, still they don't understand. It. Yeah. But, yeah, they don't get it and stuff, man. It's a great reference. I'm <laughs> hey, so check it, man. What about um the is so when you talk about the rogue uh, rogue one, you're talking about a rogue is rogue squadron. That's Rogue Squad. We're not talking about what happened with Rogue One in terms of the movie. Because I'm because what's got me excited is the Cassian Andor series that they're talking about. Oh yeah, I got that one out. Yeah, that no, that 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 has to do with uh with Rogue One. But Rogue Squadron yeah. Rogue Squadron yeah. is is uh is Luke's squadron on Yavin when yeah. they attacked. You remember? So we got Wedge Antilles. Like there was a whole mm -hmm. book series on it, a super popular book series about it. Um and they've been toying with this idea of for a long time. What's exciting about it is because now all the stuff that that the the reign of Kathleen Kennedy, Kathleen Kennedy uh, made legends is now coming back. You know, they're bringing all these amazing storylines back into the universe. 
this being one of them because that that Rose Squadron was like popular as hell, bro. Like, you know that that was that was Luke Squadron. You know. Yeah. Well, a, a cool thing about it, I didn't realize this. But I guess Patty Jenkins' father was like a fighter pilot of some renown, um, and so like she's bringing a lot of that passion from her growing up on like you know Air Force bases and shit like that, and like being obsessed with with fire pilots and stuff like that into this sort of like world of Star Wars, which I think could be kind of fun, you know? Let me ask you guys a question. This is what I'm curious. Between, of all the um, series that have been announced, right? Obi-Wan, uh, the Cassian Andor uh, series, um, Rogue Squadron, Ahsoka Tano. What am I missing, Frankie? There's another one I'm, I'm missing too. There's a lot, man. <laughs> all the stuff that has been mentioned I got. I want you to answer two questions. Which ones are you more excited about in terms of its character, and the one you're more excited about in terms of the story? So I'll give you an example. Like for me, like in terms of the character, obviously the character I'm most interested in is Ahsoka Tano, but the story I'm most interested in is Cassian Andor. Why? Ahsoka Tano. I think from what we've already talked about in the past, she's just an awesome character. She was fresh in Clone Wars. As a character, she's just a great character. Do you remember when the first scene of Rogue One? when he's trying to get information from that dude and and that the cat with the limp is like i'm not gonna be able to climb out of here so you remember what cassie nandor does he kills him but i like that notion that the that the rebellion was made up of essentially a bunch of spies doing whatever they could to get to the next step right whatever it takes and because of that in the the execution of their their plans they committed atrocities themselves maybe something's not too far unlike what the empire was so that's why I always kind of like that. It's almost like a, it seems to me that the potential for something dealing with Cassian Andor could be like a spy thriller. Anyways, right on. Yeah, I think I'm most I'm most excited about Ahsoka, Ahsoka, which we'll talk about you know in a second. Um, I'm interested in what they're going to do with Obi Wan, right? Because he's going to be struggling for a while with the loss of Anakin. So I'm interested in that story. And then I think um, I don't know, Rogue Squadron, man. I mean, that, that uh, you know, I love the Jedi. You know, they're always my favorite. I love the, the Mandalorians, you know, but, but to think like these fighter pilots, you know, going out into different galaxies, you know, you know on these different missions is super, is super exciting to me. Um, visually, but I always wanted to kind of know more about where Gentili's, right? Yeah. Um, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of cool. Um, but other than that, because of, oh, well, I didn't mention the Bad Batch either. They're making a new animated series about the Bad Batch. Yeah. That's, I like the Bad Batch, yeah. So that's coming. But I think uh, what's exciting me more, maybe we'll move into this conversation with this, is is, uh, is the possibility of a Boba Fett series. Because I think this last, this last appearance on The Mandalorian with a 36 minute episode they gave him some amazing depth as a character and i think it's feeding into some of the book stories so that i'm super excited about so all of it jared what do you want to say all of it sorry, okay no. what about you jared um man i don't know man like i'm actually you know for me star wars is about like fresh ideas it's about like it's about seeing some shit i've never seen before right like that's what i love about the Star Wars stuff. Um, so like the uh, the lady who did um, Russian Doll for Netflix, she's doing one mm -hmm. called the occult the uh, the occult the occultite. Yeah, Occul yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't know, like I don't know what it is, and that's kind of makes me kind of interested 
Cause look, reading the synopsis of it, it makes me feel like it might be like Palpatine be- begins. That's what that's what it kind of looks like a little bit. It's like a mystery thriller, it's political. But actually, now that I'm looking at the Andor stuff, it's like written by Tony Gilroy, who did like all the Bourne movies and stuff like that. So I mean, that seems kind of cool. What I like about what Star Wars, what Disney does, when they do it right, they just say hire the most capable people to make cool stuff right and so it seems like that's what they're doing here they're just hiring really capable people to make cool things that you want them to make totally good way making a sci-fi spy movie is like the guy who made born identity making a sci-fi spy movie i'm like yo cool our tv show i'm like cool i'm there let's do it you know what i mean um but i'd I be but i think i love the mandalorian like so like i'm still like mandalorian to me is like the perfect tv show like i just love like, I know we talked about this before, about how, like, you know, there are episodes that maybe don't seem like they really tie into some greater mythology. They just seem to exist just to kind of exist. But I kind of love that shit. I kind of love just um, having fun with it. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm still looking forward. I'm looking forward to see how these shows that David Filoni and, and Favreau are doing, how they lead into what the Mandalorian's building. Like, I'm, I'm you're seeing it. Like, you're right, like... Filoni and, and uh, Favreau are doing Ashoka, Range of the Republic, and Mandalorian at the same time. Those things are gonna are gonna crossfade together. They're gonna they're gonna go from one to the other. Like it's it's going to create a, a rich tapestry that I feel like is gonna save Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like, it's gonna make Star Wars something that we actually want to fuck with. You know? You know, I want to give a little credence to Frankie's uh, idea that he had. <laughs> that was the idea of bringing. That I think still, I think that Jared, you and I didn't agree with, and I still don't think the vast majority of no, wait, no, hold up, no, 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 don't, don't, put, don't put me with your bullshit, don't put me with your bullshit. You didn't agree, me and Frankie agree, me and Frankie, are like, oh, that makes sense. You're the one that's like, nah, that they'll never, they'll never question Yoda. That was you, man, don't put me with you. Well, then I apologize, but <laughs> I still don't believe the vast majority of people believe it either. But I want to give Frankie a little bit of credit because there were two things I thought that they did in that Ahsoka episode, which tied in back into the the um the the main the the first trilogy about the idea that okay you know what he's too attached to you he can't be trained and then there's what happens in episode six where Baby Yoda or Grogu is basically just choking those cats out throwing them back and forth across the cell which was kind of dope you know what I'm saying. But real quick, let me go back to that because Jared. So you actually, you are you still of that mind that you believe that that is a direction they might be going in with Brody? Yeah, of course. I mean, like it, it's ob- It feels, I won't say obvious, but it feels like that's what Star Wars is. Like Mandalorian isn't reinventing the wheel. Like you know, they're not doing anything that I feel like hasn't been done before. This really just feels like Samurai Jack in space to me. You know what I mean? Like like in Star Wars to me, and they're not trying to. to sh- to do something new. They're just trying to do something well. And so the idea of Star Wars and the power of Grogu and, and the idea of like what that power is capable of doing and how it could be um, used um, by, by evil people to do evil things. You know what I mean? Like, like, like I think that's always kind of been part of the DNA of Star Wars and you can kind of see them set that up a little bit in, uh, in the Mandalorian and stuff like that. So I totally, I totally feel that way. I mean, like, I, I love I love the they're doing such a good job with the Mandalorian that you don't even think that it's a Star Wars show, right? Like in, in a lot of ways, you just you kind of write that stuff off because like they're approaching 
Star Wars from this perspective of like of an outsider, right? Like the first time you see a Jedi, or even he, you know, like you hear about the Jedi, they're they're sorcerers, they're weird. Like well, I don't even know who they are. The first time you actually see one, it's like episode was it chapter thirteen or whatever. Like like it's like thirteen episodes into like this series. It's the second season of this series. The first time you actually see a Jedi with a lightsaber, and fuck, she like goes crazy. She goes ham on those dudes. Ashoka was just murdering fools, man. Like that was. I did not expect that. I, I thought they like build up to that, but it was like, nah, right off the bat, Ashoka just murdering motherfuckers. It was crazy. I mean, I agree, and I, 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 I don't. I think that that's kind of always been the theme of Star Wars as well, even from the beginning of when we met Luke, right? Mm-hmm. And we saw our first Jedi with, uh, with Obi Wan. You know, it was always these wizards, right? These wizards that used to exist. You know, oh, the Jedi. I, I've heard of them. So in every every movie, even with the new ones, they try to do it, you know, where where it was uh, it's always this all oh, the Jedi's, you know, who were they, you know, and it was only like twenty years before, so it's 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 interesting. I guess the galaxy is really giant, right? But there was also on these planets where people probably don't, you know, on the outskirts, right? Like we're always we're always actually I appreciate that we're always getting stories from the outskirts of you know like you know the for lack of a better term, the common people, right? People who are, who are um, struggling every day to survive, you know, hearing these myths and legends. Uh, yeah. You know what, I, uh, um, real quick before, to make sure that we, do not, that we do not overlook something that is really cool that's happening inside um, Disney's version of Star Wars is that between um, The Mandalorian, Ahsoka Tano, and Cassian Andor, we're looking at three lead characters of, you know, Lat- Latino descent, right? Pretty impressive. You know, I mean, it kind of goes back to, you know, part of our conversations. We talked about indigenous voices. I remember it's one of those jokes that we hear, you know, back in like the, the 80s and 90s was that Star Wars, you know, you know, made us believe that there were no Latinos in outer space, right? And obviously with what's the casting that's happening now, you know, we're turning a corner on that. I think it's a pretty cool thing to think that we might be at a situation where the three um, leading franchises, you know, in terms of um, serials, would be led by characters of color and specifically Latino characters. It's, you know, it's, it's a page turner. I think it's important also to, like, to, to point out that, like, even The Mandalorian, like, half the fun for me of the show is, is is seeing who directed an episode, right? Like, you know, like, it, 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 it's not just, like, like even the last episode of Boba Fett, you, you got, like, this Maori dude, uh, this Chinese woman, uh, uh, you know, a Latino dude, and the show, the episode's directed by Robert Rodriguez. You know, it just feels like, it's just, it's awesome. It, 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 it doesn't, it just feels like uh, this amazing sci-fi thing you're watching, and then, but when you and you have to sit back and sort of just see, like, oh my god, like it's surrounded by by brown people. <laughs> like this whole thing is brown, and and, and there's powerful women, and there's people of different cultures, and and they're all coming together to make this amazing thing. And um, I mean, hats off, like, right, like it, it's one thing to cast people who don't look like you. It's another thing to actually have them behind the camera, actually making the the making the content. So. Props, uh, Mandalorian, they're doing it. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's exciting, you know? It's exciting to, to be able to, like, when I read, all right, so get, to get into it, man, like, 
that Ahsoka episode like re- revived my my faith in Star Wars, right? And Dave will only <laughs> been doing that anyway, right? Yeah. But it's also like because you know Rosie Rosario Dawson, you know, got this role, and I'm a huge fan. I'm mean, a huge crush on her forever, right? Like, and then and uh and she's such a powerful not only actress but person right like she's kind of a princess leia a little bit right like you know like socially conscious spiritually aware she's you know politically active you know jumping into community and 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 letting her using her voice and her power and her her privilege you know to to make a difference like and to see her step into a role of a character who i immediately fell in love with right who who is it's so interesting how Ahsoka is so essential to the Star Wars mythos now. Yeah. Like essential. Like uh of course and of course that would be it because that was that's what was missing uh from the story, right? Of Anakin who lacked a father figure, who sought a father figure, you know, who didn't really have it, you know, in Obi Wan to then become the father figure. Right, and have to deal with that and and, and uh and deal with the emotions and the love and to think about how that would have been different if Qui-Gon was there because Qui-Gon wouldn't have pushed him away from those emotions, right? There would have been an embracing of those emotions and a balancing of them. Um, so that that's super exciting, you know, and it was incredibly moving, you know, on on that on on the level of progress to see the the new episode. Um, you know, again, you know, like you're saying, a, a Maori brother, a Latino, like an Asian woman, like it's so empowering to witness that, and then to see Robert Rodriguez's name. Who I'm, a, you know, I'm a big Robert Rodriguez fans too. You know, since ever since Rebel Without a Crew, right? That since yeah. I read that book, you know, um, and and watched El Mariachi, you know, and and to see like to see and to see like what he did with 36 minutes, right? Yeah. 36 minutes yeah. of, of a Star Wars episode, which was probably the most exciting episode yet. You know, yeah. yeah. I think it's time for us to wrap up. So um, I want to thank everyone for listening to Mutant and Minority. Um, you can find us online at mutantorminority.com. You can find us on Instagram at mutantorminority. You can find us on Twitter at the same. Well, at mutantorminority. I want not at the same. You can find us on Twitter at mutantorminority. And uh, Jared, where can we find you online, man? Yeah, you can find me at Instagram, Twitter, space at spaceman underscore Jared. Uh, for all your fine nerd wares and shit. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit me up. All right. And Frankie, what about you, man? Where can we find you at? You can find me on most social media under Bus Stop Profit, on Instagram for most of my poetry and uh, and healing work that I do in there. And then you, if you're interested in horror, you can find me at also on Instagram at The Breakfast Chainsaw Massacre. Nice indeed. And um, you can check out some of our videos on YouTube as well. And uh, thanks again. Thanks for listening.
Pick it up. 